Hey guys, this is Crystal Herring, also known as Siren of Twitch, and you're listening to Scene World Podcast. World podcast. We're us. He's him. Uh, there's things. So, hello, everybody. Well, in a minute, we're going to be talking with Darren Melbourne. He is one of the creators, if, if actually the main creator of the C64 DTV, which, as everyone I'm sure knows, you know, Jerry Ellsworth also worked on, and Robin Harbin, and all these other people. Um, and Adrian Gonzalez. Yes, yes. Um, so, that's going to happen in a minute. Before that, things that have happened. Yes, for example, we released the new issue of Scene World number 26. Yes, which has some very nice graphics in it, I heard. Oh, yeah, including graphics from AJ, by yes. the way. Yes, he, he did a logo for it. If, yes. If anyone was sick of the old font, go look at it because the new character set that we're using is way better. Oh yeah, Gary actually found his fonts he did as a teenager, yeah, like ages ago, and then he said, "Oh, let's 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 use it for for scene world." And he also did a lot of ASCII graphics. Yes. For many articles, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. including including <laughs> including pictures of of me himself and Hans Ippisch. The yes. f- a former coder of Rainbow Arts he had a, that we also did a video interview with. He had a picture of me, too, that he, he sent me as a little demo to show me, but it was it looked way too much like me, so we, we opted not to use that. Okay. Because it was bad. kind of... So if people want to see you, they have to go to our YouTube channel. Yes. And, yes. Uh, that would be youtube.seamble.org and look at the video editions of some of our podcasts. Yes. Go watch the one with Lily Stitches because I think that I sound pretty good in that one. You always sound pretty good. Yeah, you know, but but listening back, I've I've gotten slightly better at this as we've gone along, and some of the other podcasts that we've done, I don't quite, I don't enunciate quite as well. Um, I, I've gotten one of the things that you 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 start discovering as you do this is that in reality you talk too fast or i talked too fast right you know when i, I when i you anyway right 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 but in general speech i tend to talk quickly and so in many of our podcasts um when i talk it's sort of just blah, 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 and there's no I, I sound like a turkey running around in the yard just blah, 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 you know there's no <laughs> You know, I'm not. I don't speak quite as nicely as as I might. And in that one, I was listening back to some of them. And in that one, if I had to choose one as my demo reel, that would probably be the one because mm. because I thought that I I spoke at a reasonable rate and mm. pronounced my words in a reasonable way. How about me? Do I still sound as um, as weird as in the first episode? Like two years ago. <laughs> um, well, uh, I, th- I think well, you've been doing this longer in that you've been doing the the uh, video interviews. Yeah, since four years now. Right, exactly. So you have you've had your rhythm down pretty much uh, since the beginning. I used to do 
some radio a long, long time ago, and I uh, kind of fell out of good habits uh, okay. over the you know the intervening fifteen to twenty years. So now I'm kind of figuring it out again as I go along. But um, actually, you have a story you wanted to share. I did. Some, some, in some store, you said they listened to our podcast. Oh, yes, yes. I was, um, there was a thrift store in New Jersey, and I cannot recall what, what the name of it uh, right at the moment. But uh, I had seen that they sold some things on eBay, and um, I noticed where they were in, in Jersey, and I was doing some other stuff, running some errands, and I thought, hey, let me just swing in there, because they had Commodore stuff up on eBay, and just see what they had. And I went in there, and they they didn't have any C sixty four stuff. But I uh, I got talking with the with the manager of the place, and uh, he was uh, telling me about about how they had gotten in a bunch of stuff C sixty four stuff, and and it flew off the shelves. It's really in in demand at the moment. And uh, we we got talking about how he had re he regrets getting rid of a lot of his stuff. And I said, yeah, I kind of regret getting rid of a lot of my stuff too because. You know, because they still do stuff with the C64, and we're still producing whatever. And I, and I, I said that I was, uh, I worked did stuff for a magazine on that. And he just kind of paused and looked at me, and he's like, "You have a podcast, don't you?" And and I just kind of said, "Yeah." And he goes, "We, I thought, I thought so. We we listened to that. They actually listened to it at the store because, because they want to know what's in demand and what's popular right now amongst in, in the retro computing, um, scene." And I guess we're a, uh, we've become a good representative, um, media thing for that. I don't, I don't know what words I'm trying to say. Well, it's, but it so, goes, goes into the experience that I described uh, earlier, some years ago, where, where somebody in the bakery was like, I, I, I remember your face. Don't you do those interviews with pioneers on YouTube? So, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was this is the first time that I've been recognized for anything and it was kind of after that I was like okay I want to leave now. <laughs> <laughs> you have to get used to that. Yeah. Uh, so, last we or last week, last month, last podcast, we talked to uh the two series, Karen Jacobson and Susan Bennett. And during that podcast, they were kind of talking about meeting up in in New York cuz because Karen Jacobson lives in New York, Susan Bennett was going to be there, and uh, we, you know, we kind of, you know, thought that that was kind of kind of nifty, and and didn't really think much more of it past that. And then a couple days later, on uh, I think it was Instagram, Instagram, um, yeah, Karen Jacobson posted a picture, and they actually did meet up in in New York and had had lunch. So, yeah, the world has in, us to uh, thank for that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you have to. You have to realize that they really got along pretty well. Um, not not only during the interview, but also during the preparation when we were discussing like what we do and in what way and when and how long. And they were totally agreeing to each other. Like, wow! It was so, kind of it was kind of nifty yeah. that uh, you know uh, part of the interview kind of just turned into. A conversation. Them, yeah, them having a conversation, and we were just sort of like, "We're still here." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. But that's cool. Uh, and and since then, actually, Karen Jacobson has a new book called "Recalculate: Directions for Driving Performance Success" that came out in the middle of April. Um, I don't think that we plugged it on the podcast for some 
inexplicable reason. Um, well, I didn't know it. Well, it yeah, was going to be released actually. Right. So, so let's plug it now. Uh, go to the gpsgirl.com and check it out. If you sign up for a uh, the the newsletter, you get a free chapter of the book. So everyone, go and do that and and nice. check that out. Yeah. So other news. Other news we have is actually that um, also not only released a new issue, but also we got now um, improved interface for the online version. So now you can even click on the buttons. Yes. For example, if you're on a mobile device. And HA found out that the, the web browser that works at the moment um, but it's still pretty slow. It's the Puffin browser. Yeah, if you're on iOS. I don't know about Android, but iOS... It's the, the... same on Android. Okay. Yeah, yeah uh, I, the, the best one to use for that is, is Puffin browser. It's still slow, but they are working on improving the JavaScript and yeah. making it faster. So it's just a question of time when it's getting close to real-time speed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just for you to know. And before we had that interface, the problem was... There was no possibility to actually pa- pa- uh, pass the fast loader question. Mm-hmm. Do you want to have the fast loader? Yes or no? Because that wouldn't work. Um, so now you actually can operate it on a mobile device as well. Mm-hmm. Or you can still click in the window and say, let, let the window take over the mouse, and then you can still use the mouse to go around. This so, is part of the ongoing redesign of, of both our of that and also our, our main page, sceneworld.org, is there's some incremental changes to it that have been going on since since we swapped over to uh, scene.org. Yes, so we found we found we found a nice guy named Menno who actually had a Z64 as a childhood and he said he would like to help to improve our page. So for example, one change is that we are now part of the Commodore 64 banner exchange. So maybe you're listening to us because you got it from that banner exchange when you were on, a, on another Z64 side that was also part of the banner exchange. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, uh, in, along with this, the, the change of server and, and everything else that happened, uh, two podcasts ago, we, we talked to uh, the Mega 65 project. Um, and there was, um, there was a small issue with that in that, um, that was our first podcast that we had done since moving to the new servers. And there, I guess there was a filter in the new server or, or something that prevented the podcasts from being correctly routed to iTunes, which took a little bit. We ended up fixing it. Uh, it took like a week or so. Um, yeah. But, exactly, it took it took a week. Yeah. But if you're an iTunes subscriber and the Mega 65 podcast did not download, try it again, and it should be it's fine now, and it was yeah. fine pretty quickly after after that. So I, there shouldn't have been an issue for for most people, but but if if there was, then try again. Yeah, I mean that's a pretty good thing about scene.org. If you have any problem, you can just email them and wait a bit, and then it's fixed. Yeah. Um, yes. So you see a lot of changes in the last month. Um, right. What? What else? Actually. Oh yeah. So um, I'm actually 
organizing the interviews that I'm going to have for SceneWorld at Gamescom. And so far, there are two good news I can already mention. Mm -hmm. Dave Flo will be at the Gamescom. And I don't know if, nice. we mentioned it, if we mentioned it before. I don't think we did. Uh, so he will have a booth at the retro area. So if you have time in August, come to Cologne, Germany, and have a look. Cool. Yeah. If you can still get a ticket, that's a thing because tickets are, are always sold out pretty fast. But you can still get tickets on eBay and other places. So. And if not, keep an eye on our YouTube channel because I'm sure Jörg will be taking all kinds of video and, and yeah. all sorts of stuff. And we'll have, <laughs> we'll have a, a cacophony of, of video and interviews and stuff to put oh, up yeah. after that. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean the the funniest thing was that the last Gamescom, I was the guy with the laptop, so everybody was was there from the Vitra area with his uh, SD cards and USB sticks, and like, oh, could you copy this over for me? And then I was asking, like, hey, could we use this for our show? And they were like, sure, no problem. So um, yeah, so it's not all our our material. Um, yeah. Some of that material were were taken by other people yep. um but we we credited them all and we all we, we linked to all their pages and projects so yep. so thank you again it's going to be a fun summer of of stuff i mean it's it's may right now um yeah and when is gamescom gamescom is in august let's august, see okay let's see gamescom Cologne, yeah. Gamescom-cologne.com is actually the English homepage. Mm -hmm. And Gamescom is from August the 17th to the 20th. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah so 17th is for business, for business people. And um, 18th to 21th is for everybody. The, this, this is going to be an interesting... We're, we're, we're gearing up. It's not quite summer yet. And we're getting ready for this season of cons and stuff. Um, so, so uh, mid August, mid late August is is Gamescom. September we've got a video game con. That's tenth and eleventh of September. Also, tenth and eleventh of September is going to be ECCC in Chicago, the uh, the Commodore Expo that they have every year there, which I won't be at because I'll be at a video game con. But I hope Oliver will write a report. For yes, us. yes, and and I know some other people that'll Pretty be sure there. Pretty sure he will. Yeah, I know some other people that'll be there. So it'll be, it'll be fun. It'll be interesting. I would love to go to that. I keep I keep thinking about going to that every year, and I thought this year could be the one. And then I got the date, and it was like, oh god, it's <sighs> always got to be on a weekend that I something else is happening. <laughs> well. But but given given that you were so surprised that it was so successful the last year, I'm sure you you look forward I, to this. I this am year. actually very much looking forward to a video game con this year because last year was that that was really that was the first con that I've ever actually gone to. I've never never done one before because you know I, I just I don't have I don't have the motivation to do this stuff. You know it, it's. It's you got to get up, you got to go somewhere. You, you know, uh, God, I, you know, most of the time it's like if I can just take a nap, I'm cool. But, but this was, you know, I going out and and going to the con and 
it was it was fun, but I didn't know what to expect at the time. So I went out with my brother, and we had our phones, and I had a GoPro in my pocket that I never used. And so, will you take interviews this time with the famous people that yeah, you met yeah. the last year, but didn't even know they were? They yeah, were exactly. Yeah, there. right. And now yeah. you know. So yeah, no, yeah, exactly. There were there were people there that that I found out later. Todd Tucky, I've got his his Walter Day card over there. He was there, and. I didn't see him during the thing, but evidently, I mean, we were there at the same time because when I looked at his video on YouTube of a video game con, in half the things, there's me blocking his view of whatever is going on. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I mean, you just have to ask Billy Mitchell and he can show you around. Yeah, I, if he's going to be, I don't know if he's going to be there this year. Um, or Ricky Knuckles, he, yeah, he he'll be there. He is probably he probably probably be yeah, there he'll because be there. he will provide all the arcade machines. <laughs> right, yeah, uh, and, and it'll be you know again having a better idea of what's going to be there and having done this before a year, you know it'll be sort of I'll have a better idea of what to look for. And and again, you know when we went there, I felt weird filming stuff because people were walking around and doing things, and I don't I you know. Whenever we – there was a picture – there was a video of a girl doing the – um there was a, a Nintendo uh, – a Tetris made of Legos. The controller was Legos and there was someone sitting there. And, of course, everyone – every time that we did a video, I was like, do you mind if we can take a video of you doing this? But I felt so weird asking people and then videoing, you know, stuff that was that was going on, even though no one had a problem with it. And everyone was like, yeah, take videos. That's great. You know, it was like it felt weird just kind of standing there amongst a throng of people with my phone out, like taking a video like a like a doof. But interestingly, Paul Solomon, who actually organized the thing, he said it's one of the best video reports of 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 this I'm thing. Glad so, to hear it. Glad to hear it. I, he, I, so he, he liked it. Yeah, he, he actually plucked it. Cool, on on his Facebook and yeah. stuff. Yeah, I, I I enjoyed it. I I liked. Uh, I thought we got some. It was just a little bit shaky the video because, again, you know, I, I was I was kind of whipping around real quick to try to get the video and and put my phone down because <laughs> I didn't want people to think like I was you know creeping on them taking videos. You know, I just. Eh. So this year we will get some more yes yeah, so footage and some interviews, some steadier footage. And, yeah, and some, some interviews yes. with some famous people, right? I guess I guess you will be announced again. Like SeaWorld will be at I don't know. a video game con, maybe yeah. Yeah. like like last year. Who knows? Yeah. So um, so what I can say about interviews on Gamescom? Um, actually, I got a confirmation already that I will be interviewing a Cloud Imperium Games, and they did. Ah, I always forget that name. They did Star Citizen. They're actually doing Star Citizen, yeah. the game that 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 um, crowdfunded over 50 millions and counting. Okay. That open world, tons of gigabyte, terabyte big game um, in a universe, you know. Right. From Chris Roberts, who who did Wing Commander. And now what's it? Some, it's the game. Is it closer to what's what's it like? Is it like an elite sort of thing, or is it like a an Eve Online sort of thing? Wing Commander, like I said. Yeah. Well, that's that's closer to elite, I would think. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, but you can even go to planets and stuff. So right. It's like an open world space game, and um, there are some people in the industry, like Derek Smart, who think it's impossible to do. It is it is it single player or 
Well, everything. Multiplayer, single player, whatever you like. Okay. We actually played that on um, on our Twitch live thing that we did for what it was called again. Extra life. Extra life, exactly. For extra life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, you did play it? Yeah, sure. Oh, I showed it, it to oh, you. Oh, it, oh it, yeah. it exists? You did? I, I don't remember anything. Oh, yeah. I was so tired halfway <laughs> through that, I don't know what was going on. Yeah, yeah. It does exist. It's, there's an alpha version out of it. Oh, yeah. Okay. I do vaguely recall that. Okay. But it's not, there's not, it's not like you're, you're, See, like you've got Eve Online, which is which is a big multiplayer thing, that is is you know it's got a huge economy, but it's one of those deals where it's like you're not actually flying the ship; you're just clicking on things and it's, uh... you 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 are flying that ship. Definitely. Okay, cool. That's that's the sort of thing because there's another game called um, Vendetta Online, which I think is a really cool game, but there's not too many people that use it, and it's the same sort of thing where you know it's all multiplayer. It's all different people that are in it, and it's a big, vast universe, but you're flying your ship. So if if you're a new guy and you happen to be really good at it, you can totally kick the butts of the guys that have been here for years. <laughs> it's not like EVE where it's mostly, you know, it's it's experience-based. So, you know, if you've been here a month, then you're going to be better than the guy that just started because because you've racked up more experience, and that's how it determines who wins the fight. Right. So that's, that's the news so far from, okay. from my side. That's about it here too. Um, well, let's uh, let's go over and talk to Darren. He's he's over there in where is he in Spain? Spain? He's actually. in Spain at the moment on vacation, and he's taking some time out to to speak to us when he could be out sitting in the sun getting a tan. He's sitting <laughs> in his hotel room talking to a couple of dweebs. So today we are talking to Garen Melbourne. Indeed. So welcome to the show. Thank you kindly. As I understood from your Indiegogo campaign, uh -huh. you and some of your friends are working on a reincarnation of the Commodore 64 called the C6 as the 64, actually. Yes, the 64, yeah. And um, you, you are kind of one of those guys who did marketing for the DTV or something? <clears throat> actually, I created the, well. When I say created, the DTV was my idea. I um, I came up with the idea, I conceptualized it, I designed it, and then luckily I came across Jerry Ellsworth, who, as you probably know, is an absolute genius. And mm -hmm. Jerry went on and built the uh, the actual chipset that ran the, the that ran the DTV for us. But uh, yeah, it was it was pretty much uh, uh, my idea. Ah. Okay, so so you 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 had the idea for it. That means you should you should be the right guy to to make a new C sixty four actually, as you know what it's um, what is necessary and so on. So so let me let me get you um, to ask you this question: How did you actually get the idea for the DTV? Maybe let's start with that first. Actually, the the idea for the DTV came because. I'll take a step back from that. Um, myself and my business partner, a guy called uh, Paul Gooch, who I've been working with for 16 plus years now, Paul and I uh, actually wanted to create the C64 as a mobile telephone. So our original idea was to license the, the chipset from uh, Tulip Computers, 
in Holland who owned the Commodore brand at the time. And we wanted to, we wanted to shrink everything down and create a chipset to put inside mobile phones. If you remember mobile phones back uh, 15, 15 years ago were, were mono, monochrome and they were pretty rudimentary. They were very simplistic. And we thought that we could put a, a 64 inside a mobile phone and give people access to something like they'd never seen before. So it would have been a very early, a very early, I guess, a very early iPhone was our idea. Um, it transpired that that was a lot more difficult than we had hoped. To create the 64 as a single chip was a very, very big task. Um, far too big for it to go into a mobile phone. And as such, we uh, we took a lot longer to create the system than, than we hoped, um, and it ended up inside the uh, the joystick straight to TV DTV product that actually got released. And that product was was a, a pretty big success as far as those things go. Well, yeah, I guess commercially, or it, w- it was a big success for some people. Um, what actually happened was that we we worked with Jerry um, on the actual design. I licensed all of the software for it. We uh, Paul and I actually mortgaged our houses uh, to make the product happen. We we uh, we we put everything on the line to make it happen. And the U.S. distributor then actually went ahead, sold the product, and then claimed Chapter Eleven and kept all of the money. Oh. Okay, that was pretty harsh. That was pretty harsh for us. Um, so Paul and I actually, Paul and I came out of it with pretty much nothing. We, uh, I think we sold, we sold in the U.S. over three hundred thousand units, and we made nothing from it. Oh, actually, um, I had an interview with Jerry Ellsworth too via Skype video, and we also talked about the DTV. Mm-hmm. And she told me to not get too deep into it, but just to go around the edges. She told me. Um, that actually it was first sold in QVC on the television, and That's it correct. was mostly sold to Euro- Europe because the Europeans heard you could actually modify the joystick to attach um, real hardware to it. That's because Jerry is such an absolute genius, and I honestly I would love to I would love to claim that that was that was all me, but actually most of that was down to Jerry. Um, and, and the so- and the software was done by Adrian Gonzalez, who is actually called DW and Macbeth Robin Harpern, both from the demo scene. Who so you really got that magazine's outfit. Yeah, yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Um, to, to be fair, we we had a partner company called DC Studios who worked out of Canada, um, run by a, a friend of ours called Mark Greenshields, and he actually uh, hired the software guys to build the menu systems for us. Um, but again, uh, I, I, when I first met Jerry, I went and stayed with, with Jerry in a house in, um, in Portland, in Oregon. And we designed the system uh, that we wanted. Uh, it, we wanted more colors. We wanted it to be dual SID chips if, if possible. We, we designed a lot more into that chip. But Jerry just went absolutely above and beyond the call of duty and put so much in that system. Because Jerry, Jerry absolutely is, is the person that, that, that wants to have full open source, full compatibility with everything. She wants to allow everybody that, that really is a fan of the machine to be able to, to access all of the features. So she built so much onto the board that we never anticipated. As I said, I would love to claim credit for that, but that was entirely down to her. Mm. Yeah, as Andrews just said, 
um, Robin Harper and Macbeth even coded our Mac system that we use for mm -hmm. Scene World. So you really got three very talented guys there, two on the software side and uh, Jerry on the hardware side. That was totally amazing. So now the question is why you want to do it again with this D64, actually? If I'm being honest, I wanted to do I wanted to do exactly this ten years ago. I wanted to bring the Commodore 64 or the 64 back ten years ago. Now, what? <clears throat> excuse me. What actually happened is that we had the rights from Tulip exclusively to all Commodore, to the Commodore brand, the Commodore logos, the Commodore products, and everything. And then, sadly, somebody came along and made them a higher offer. And they disregarded our agreement and they went ahead and licensed the product out elsewhere. And we were unable to carry on with our plans to make more Commodore products. So we would have done this. We would have done this a decade ago if we were able to. But sadly, we were unable to because the rights got pretty much disseminated between a whole group of people. They got split up from Tulip. They went all over the place. And as the rights got split up, it was impossible for us to be able to do this. <laughs> It's interesting because we had the same discussion when we when we did the interview with the Commodore guys about the pet phone, this mm -hmm. asking especially HA think I think you asked HA yeah, you uh, asked what, what why the... why why didn't do uh, why didn't somebody come with an idea after the DTV or something right? Did I I, I didn't I, I mean that. I mean you you said something like there was no real Commodore well yeah no uh, the, when the when DTV. right no when when the DTV came out the DTV was was um faithful to the original commodore sort of absolutely thing. you know it mm -hmm. was it was compatible in fact it had more options i've seen some dtv demos and they're they're amazing because there's more colors there's you know all this other stuff that the original machines couldn't do exactly but then you had this string of products that came after it that were you know it looked like a c64 but it was nothing you know it was a, a regular old windows pc inside and then there was other things called a, a vic that had didn't look anything like it that was just kind of slapping a logo on and trying to tr to cash in on it there was nothing else that came out that was in any way uh faithful to the original designs um i think actually our our actual passion is to make sure that we are absolutely 100 percent as faithful to the original design as we can be but Wherever we are able, we will offer extended the the extended modes, like the DTV mode um, and other extended modes, if we can. Hmm. But, that but we would we would have done this. We honestly we would have done this a decade ago if we were if we were able to. We would have done it. Okay. And now we have Indiegogo crowdfunding, and now you can do it or something. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, with or without the Indiegogo funding, we were going to do this. Yeah. Um, what I wanted to do was measure was measure the interest in the product. Actually, if I if I'm being honest, I'm kind of I'm kind of sad because it looks like people have become so hung up on what's inside the machine that they've ignored the fact that we're actually trying to bring a 64 back to the marketplace. Yeah, I, I remember we too, we had discussions on Facebook and my biggest gripe was that at the beginning it looked like it was all, uh, old um, emulation and no technical details on the Indiegogo page and a lot of a lot of people, um, except, um, including myself, got a bit disappointed about like, wow, this is another emulation thing that isn't anywhere compatible, you know? So... I think to bear in mind that what we're trying to do is we are trying to release 
the equivalent I would say the equivalent of a Commodore 64. We can't call it a Commodore 64 because the Commodore logo, the chicken head logo and the name Commodore is now owned by Commodore Holdings BV in in Holland. And we don't actually have a license with those guys. We have a license with Cloento in Italy who own the BIOS, the ROMs, the form factor. I'm sure you know know of these guys who do the Amiga Forever and C64 Forever. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. There was the same gripe with the PET Commodore guys not having the rights to use it and so on. Yes, so I read about it, yeah. Okay, I think what what we've done is we we signed we signed a licensing agreement with the guys who really have done as much as they possibly can to keep the the Commodore brand, the Commodore memory alive. And I think the the the, the Mike and his team at Cloento have done so much through Amiga and Commodore 64 forever. Um They, they, they've done a great thing in keeping everything alive for us. So we've, we've done a direct license with them. Sadly, I mean, we, we, we have tried um, opening negotiations. We, we have started talking to Commodore Holdings BV, but I'm not altogether sure that this is a path they wish to go down. Right. But again, I can't, I can't speak for those guys. So, so yeah. So from a, from a hardware perspective, yeah. Um, is this because, Because I, I I get the impression it's it's you know FPGA sort of stuff with this. Is it how compatible is it with the original hardware when you get down to like the the you know if if I wanted to replace my machine and get a new one uh, you know the sixty four would I be able to do all my my silly demo stuff and whatnot on that thing as if it was just a regular old machine? You would. Um, you would even be able to, and I'm I'm going to put myself out here and, and reveal something that, that we haven't yet revealed. But even if you wanted to re- run some of those, you remember those crazy, uh, those crazy music demos on the 1541. If you wanted to run some of those, you could even run one of those. So, so you, you even, you even got 1541, um, mechanics emulation and so on. We do. Oh, okay. Well, will will this be at all compatible with with the peripherals that that are around? Like, if if I've got you know a, a crappy fast load cartridge, can I plug that thing in, or or an old disk drive and, and plug all that in? To be fair, that's what I would say right now. I don't want to make any promises that 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 don't come to fruition. I would say that's work in development. Okay. As far as we're concerned, we will make this as accurate as we possibly can. And bearing in mind as well, the first release won't be the last release. It's it's going to be an iterative proce- uh, process until we get this absolutely as perfect as we can. So you will have kind of a firmware update to make it more compatible um, on the way you go? Absolutely, oh, yes. Okay. Because because that is actually the problem that the DTV had, that uh, the DTV had a color problem in the first Paul re- revision, and then there was a second revision and a third Paul re- revision that had correct colors. Correct. So because they did the wiring wrong in the Chinese factory, I, I think we should link to that video interview with Jerry because he re- yeah, she we'll reveals all the production problems. Yeah, we'll well, that means. If you have a production problem and it can be fixed by software, that you actually will supply firmware updates to it. And so yes. that means it, the computer will be more compatible the more you develop on the on that side. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, honestly, this, this, this for us is a long-term project. This isn't just a, one, a one-off thing. Uh, the 
the DTV for us would have been a much longer-term project if the distribution company in the U.S. hadn't gone bust. We would have we would have carried on for many many years. Okay. Oh, this, I mean, this 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 project is absolutely born out of. Um, I would say it's born out of an absolute passion that we have for the C64. My my entire career started on the C64, and uh, it's it's I've never ever lost my love for the machine ever. If if you don't mind the question, how did it start with the Commodore your career? It started because when I was still at school, um, I don't know if you're if, if you're familiar with or you remember a, a software company in the UK called Anirog, which uh, which became Anco. They did um, a lot of early C64 product, but also they're, they're probably best known for their kickoff brand. Okay, so we used to, they, they were our local software company. They were in a town near us. We used to hang around there when we were kids. And literally, we just started trying to work out how to build games on the C64. In fact, I had a spec, if I'm being honest, I had a spectrum at the time. And I saw a, a game called Falcon Patrol, if you remember that. Oh, yes. And I saw scrolling. I saw sprites. I heard the music on that. And I heard the music on um, a game called Kilowatt, which was uh, Ben Dalglish and Tony Crowther. And it absolutely blew me away, and that was it. From that moment on, I was I was uh, I was pretty much hooked on the on the sixty four. 